Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm excited for today's episode. We have two amazing, sexy, <laughs> extremely cool real estate reality superheroes with us. They, they don't even need an introduction. Everybody in the game knows you guys. They love you guys. And I'm excited that uh, we get to hang out for a little bit and just talk some real estate, talk life. Um, I got Tarek and Heather Omusa with us here today. Thank All right. You. Man, your guys' house is beautiful, by the way. Thank well, you. It didn't start like that. Yeah. yeah. It was, <laughs> it was all a, white. <laughs> it was a nightmare project, too. You did. You guys did this whole remodel? We yeah. Did. I, we doubled the budget and tripled the timeline. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't supposed to be this long of a remodel, and it turned out to be… What, like a year and a half? Yeah, it took about a year and a half. Well, we dealt with a lot of problems. We had three different floods in the house. We like built the kitchen, house flooded, unbuilt the kitchen, put it back together, house flooded, undid the kitchen. Like it was a complete nightmare. nightmare. But but in the end, we got the house at a great price. And obviously the market has been crazy the last couple of years. So we did pretty well. Came up on it. Well, the design is phenomenal. I I'm, I don't even want to show my wife because <laughs> we're going to have to redesign some things if yeah. she sees this. Uh, so, so look. Um, the show is really about, you know, making money, multiplying money, making your money matter. Uh, but obviously you two, you guys are expecting. Yeah. Family. Having a boy. Having a boy. Yes. Cody El Musa. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're being convinced. And you, do you guys have some names? We Ooh, do, but they're I, secret names. I don't know if you're going to get those out of here. We can't, we can't twist it, twist uh, our I arm yet. I so. She's can't a Can't get cookie. my names away because then other people will steal them. <laughs> Were you betting on a boy, girl? Did it matter? He was dead set that we were having a girl, huh? Oh, I, I was 100% convinced it was going to be a girl. And then I, we were at the gender reveal last weekend, and I pushed the whatever that thing the was, popper. and then the, the popper, and then the blue came out. I, I was stunned. Like, I was giddy. I was hopping around. Like, I was so excited. Because it's not what I was expecting. I felt really, I've had a really easy pregnancy, so I just felt too good. And they say that girls suck the life out of you and boys give you life. Mm. So I'm it's like, like real life. <laughs> uh, hey, um, I gave you life. Um, so I just knew like I was having a boy. I felt too good. She did. She kept thinking she was having a boy. I kept saying she was having a girl. She was right. I was right. Mommy's get dolls now. Get, get used to that. Yeah, yeah. Get used to that. <laughs> well, um, and how did, how, how did you guys meet? You guys met on a on a boat? Oh, yeah. I, I got to tell this story. I'll tell it with you. So we met on his boat. Well, it, it was 4th of July. This is a good story, Cody. So, so Tark's not only an investor, he has game too. I just want to say that. What so, was the line? What was there. the line? <laughs> yeah, I have a whole bunch of lines. <laughs> <laughs> so 4th of July, 2019, parked my boat at Woody's. It's a bar in Newport Beach where they have docks. So you can park your boats, obviously. Um, Heather was on the boat right next to me. But and I have to say, I never came to Newport Beach. I was living in LA. I never came down here. It'd probably been eight years. So the, the fact that I was down here was by chance. And yeah. then are the boats that we were on, well, his yacht and then the yacht I was on were right next to each other. So Which is the busiest bar to get into, by the way, on Fort Totally July. random. Totally so, random. Totally random. So she knew, she knew a girl that was on my boat. So she hopped onto my boat and I was mid conversation. I saw her out of the corner of my uh, corner of my eye and I was like, damn, who is that? So I stopped talking. I walked right to her. I put my hand out. I was super confident. I'm on my boat, 4th of July, a couple of drinks in. I'm like, hi, I'm Tart. She goes, I know who you are. And I'm thinking jackpot. Reality <laughs> TV is finally paying off. Yes, you know who I am. And then she goes, you asked me out two years ago, and I'm like, oh, shit. Retreat. Retreat. <laughs> he forgot my beautiful face. <laughs> and, 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 I said, and I said, well, where did I ask you out? She goes, on Instagram. So I said, hold on. So I literally did a 180. Put her, I turned my back to her, and I looked, and I, I asked her out. She responded that she had a boyfriend. So I turned back around, and I was like, you still got that boyfriend? She's like, uh, actually, no. I'm like, great. I'm back. All right. I was like, so you want to go to Paris? And she looked at me like I was nuts. She goes, no. I'm like, okay. Uh, what about Las Vegas? You want to go to Las Vegas? She goes, no. Nope. Well, he says, do you want to go to Paris with me next weekend? And I said, no. Do you want to go to Vegas with me? I said, no, I'm not going to go spend the night with you. I don't know who you think I am. Separate beds. He said, we'll get you a separate room. We're separate beds. I'm like, yeah, right. I know that game. ABC, baby. Always be closing. 
<laughs> so yeah, so you know, you got to start high, right? Like you got to go for the gold. Right? I don't know if I've ever. I mean, that, that might be like the most gangster line ever. <laughs> hey, you want to go to Paris? It's like uh, I should have gone. We would have like fallen in love instantly. Oh, a hundred percent. I was serious too. I was like, you want to go to Paris? What do you want to do? Like I'm in. She's like, no, Vegas, no. And I'm like, how about dinner? She goes, maybe. And, and that was it. So then we talked for a few more minutes. And then there was some drunk girl on the boat that offended her. So she left. And I was like, so bummed. And I was like, sulking. I was like, this sucks. And then I look over uh, next to me and she's back on the boat. And there's this other guy hitting on her. I was a hot commodity. And she's on the front of the boat. Ha, ha, ha. Like in the movies with their hair flowing in the wind. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not going out like that. So I was like, I got I got to I got to get their attention. The competitive nature. Yeah. And you started coming so out. I go to the, uh, was that a wheelhouse on the boat? I don't know. I never drive the thing. So I find the horn. So I, I lay on the horn and both of them jump. And they both look right at me. And, I, and I, I look at the guy and I'm like, I see what you're doing. I was like, get off my wife. <laughs> we have it on video. <laughs> and it was on video. <laughs> and it was on video. So I walk outside of the boat and the guy, and then I see the guy and I had a smile like I was playing, you know, and I was like, hey, get off my wife. He goes, hey, big fan. I was like, oh, thank God. And then so he left and then she gave me her number. Yeah, I gave him my number. We kind of were texting a little bit. I left. I went to dinner and then I heard that he went downstairs on his boat and sulked the rest of the day. He didn't come back up because he was sad that I left. People lie. That's not a lie. It Many people, they all said the same thing. They texted his sister that day, Tariq met a girl, and he's sulking downstairs because she left. <laughs> yeah, I was bummed. I wasn't used to not getting what I had, what I wanted, you know. And then we planned a date. I canceled our first date the day of. Mm. I just wasn't ready to go on a date with him. Broke I thought my he was going to break my heart. So I was like, I don't need to date another douchebag. So you wanted to break my heart first? Is that what you wanted to do? <laughs> yeah. Break mine before I broke I, yours? Yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm like, I don't need to do this to myself. I'm wasting my time. And then he said, I'm different than you think I am. Just give me a chance. And he wasn't pushy. He just was like, we check in with me every once in a while. That was the game I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were on, at this point, you were already on Selling Sunset for yes, a season or two. Right? One season. Okay. So I met him right after season one. So my show wasn't really popular yet. So he didn't even know who I was or um, you hadn't even heard of my show. Well, oh, you uh, had. I had. From a friend of From yours. a different friend of mine used to always talk about this girl in LA that was on the show Selling Sunset. And I used to always say, you should introduce me. And she'd always be like, no, she's out of your league. That's what she would tell me. <laughs> I was like, nobody's out of my league. That's just you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just totally kidding, by the way. So on our first date, he, oh, I made it really hard. I said, I'm only going out with you on Monday at eight o'clock and you have to come to LA. I, I'm not coming down to Orange County. But it, it wasn't even a dinner though. She it wasn't a dinner. She only agreed to drinks at a wine bar. Yeah. I said, no dinner. It's too long. I'll go to drinks. See, I think she's the one with the game. <laughs> <laughs> she's doing all the right moves right now to make it like hook, line, and sinker. Like, he's going to fall in love with me right but away. I didn't know. I wasn't trying. I never was one to play games. So I didn't know I was playing a game, but I definitely was. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, was, yeah. I was running in circles chasing my tail. Like, <laughs> yeah. what do I got to do? That's good with a guy like him. Yeah. You know? I, but, you know, he was so endearing and sweet on our first day. He's a very confident man. You know him. And he was so nervous. Like, Nervous energy, sweating, putting chapstick on, wiping it off. Chapstick, wipe, chapstick, like over mm, the and old over. Chapstick. Like, Dude, I was, I was neurotic. Act, I, was, I was acting like a psychopath. But here's the, here's the thing, though. So she gave me this one opportunity for dinner. I was actually um, at an event. <laughs> Long story short, I left the event I was at to go take her to this dinner. I knew I, I knew I looked good in this one blue sweater. Okay, that was like my go-to. Where every Christmas, I know I look good in this sweater. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wore this sweater during a heat wave. In July, in Los Angeles. So the whole dinner, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh my God, it's so hot. And I can feel the beads of sweat coming down my forehead, down my nose. Wait, wait, even more wait, anxiety. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wore this one sweater because yeah. you knew you looked good, but, but it's in sweater. the middle of the summer. Well, I dress him now, Cody. He, does, yeah. he doesn't, you know, dress uh, himself. I love that. So, so, yeah, so I'm acting like a crazy person, and I used to, like, vape a lot, you know? I, and, and so I would every five minutes, I'd go hide in the bathroom and vape and try to cool down. So finally, I come back, and she looks at me, she goes, are you okay? And I looked at her and I said, no, I am not okay at all. And she goes, we should get drunk. I said, I'm let's like, just get drunk and have fun and enjoy our night. And then we ended up going to another location after spending, what, until like two in the morning together. Yeah. And then the next day he sent me beautiful flowers and roses. And then we pretty much like, that was it. We were inseparable, fell in love and moved in like right away with each other. Yeah, well, a couple of days later after the first date, she got a Ferrari and then she moved in. So within a week, we went on our first date, she got a <laughs> Ferrari and we lived together. Yeah. 
we moved fast. And then we got married. <laughs> hey. You know, he proposed after a year. We're obviously, I'm already pregnant. So we moved very fast. <laughs> hey, we know you know. When you know you know. We got a good deal on the hook. You got to close, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like that though. That's like, you know, it's cool watching you go through this evolution. You've been on TV for 10, 12 years now. Feels like yeah. centuries. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Number one rated show. Longest running real estate flipping show in history. Yep. Most popular. Um, you know, to see you grow through that and then to see you now just like you're glowing. Like yeah. you can tell oh. you, re- you really, like you're in pocket, you're feeling really good. It's, a, it's where you needed to yeah. be. You took, had to go through all that to get here. Took me about 40 years to find happiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was definitely a rough ride. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 what, what, the journey, advi- what advice would you give? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are going to listen to this. And it's really hard to be an entrepreneur in a relationship. And you guys are both high-performing entrepreneurs, very demanding schedules, now working together. Mm-hmm. What advice would you guys give entrepreneur couples for working together successfully? Like, do you guys have like routines? You guys yeah, have- Yeah, we do. Like, yes. like, like certain, I don't want to call them rules, but like, hey, here's the framework for this thing to work. Yeah, one word pops into my mind. Mm-hmm. It's communication. Mm-hmm. So- we communicate like crazy every single night at a minimum one hours, yeah. one hours, <laughs> one hour. One hour. Most nights, two hours. We just sit and we talk. We talk about everything, what we're doing, what we want. We talk about our dreams. We talk about the business. We talk about the challenges. We talk about fixing the challenges. Yeah. And we're always communicating. That way we're always on the same page. And we've done that since the beginning of our relationship. So even when things were different and, and maybe I wasn't as busy or you know, I wasn't as involved with the business now, his business, we would still talk about dreams and goals and past and future and just always communicating. And now that we're even busier, the time might be a little less, but we still are always communicating and spend time together at night to talk. And I noticed you guys, like, now you have your show. The Flipping El Musas. The Flipping El Musas, which is, you guys are filming right now. You guys have been filming for a while. So when does that come out? A first quarter next year. Yeah, first yeah. quarter. So that's going to hit. That's going to be your first time because you guys have your separate shows. First yes. time together. I noticed when I pulled up, you guys have a sprinter van. So mm-hmm. you guys get to s- spend some time together yeah. in the back yeah, of the yeah, van. We're, we're <laughs> always together, you but know? But we're not doing fun things, Cody. Uh, you know? Know? <laughs> Sometimes we are. Sometimes we are. <laughs> yeah, we, so, there's been a few times. <laughs> but on work days, it's usually calls, emails. Um, we don't even have music on. We just sit there and— But it gives you guys some quality time quality to talk. Time. Somebody else is driving. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. You know? And it gives but, us time to work, too. So we're not having to drive. We can text on our phone. We can do calls, emails. We have Wi-Fi. I bring my computer— we yeah. eat in there. It's like our, our home on wheels. Yeah, home on yeah, wheels. Yeah. I know for me, you know, me and Shannon, we we had a, a lot great communication. We were best friends. Like that was our foundation from day one, best friends. Yeah. You know, and and you know, we were able to look at each other and say, look, there's gonna be a lot of sacrifices we're gonna make going through this, building this brand, building this business. Um, and it was challenging at times. 18 years I've been with Shannon. Wow. wow. 18 years. And uh, 14 married, two kids, mm-hmm. and my son is identical to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, do you have one of your kids that's like more like you? Personality-wise, your daughter. My, do- yeah. my daughter has my personality to yeah. the T. And then my son and my daughter look like me. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Taylor, his daughter, is like twins. Twins, like personality. For, for me, like it's like God was like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to give you a mini you yep. to drive you crazy. <laughs> yep. And it, it's been super challenging, but having that strong bond and friendship has been phenomenal and there's not a day that goes by we don't walk in the morning spend time at night mm-hmm. just talking through everything even though she's not always involved in the business she knows every single yeah. thing always the best advice yeah. always listen to her advice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she will intuitively tell you every right move and by the way i fight it i i like she'll tell me like i don't get a good vibe from this person don't do business with this person <laughs> and i'll say don't worry i got it it's all good Six months later, it's the I told you so told conversation, you so. conversation <laughs> every single time. And she just looks at me. She goes, I know things. I think there was some, like, when we first started dating, like, there was a few people in his life that I just, they rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, she cleaned house. I, cleaned I mean, house. let's be yeah. honest here. I was married. I got divorced. I was single for four and a half years. I had a completely different life. The day I met Heather, everything changed. Overnight, I literally changed who I was, what I did, where I went, who I hung out with. Yeah. And um, so now we call that life the BH life. The before before Heather, Heather life. life. But there were some lingering friends that I was just, 
they rubbed me the wrong way. They were assholes. They were just not good people. Yeah. And it took a little while for him to cut them out, but he finally did. And I feel like things just got better. You have to cut out the negative people. Happens in every relationship. Yeah. yeah. Th- that was hard. Like you guys are already fairly successful doing big things. Imagine being a nobody entrepreneur, just trying to get things going. And your best friends are just shitting on you because you're not partying anymore. You're not hanging out. You're not doing those things. Like a lot of people struggle with that and uh, they got to fight through it because yeah. on the other end of that, you finally start getting better inputs, better outputs. Yeah, you start all. your your group gets better and different. Well, that, I mean, that's the one thing I've learned over the years, right? It's, it's a, you got you to understand who you're taking information from, right? So what happens to most people is they reach out to friends and family and they for advice. And it's, if they're always asking for entrepreneurial advice or business advice, investing advice, like whatever it is. And they're getting bad advice because they're asking people that aren't entrepreneurs. They're asking people that aren't real estate investors. Like I say it all the time. It's like no real, like no legit real estate investor would ever tell someone not to become a real estate investor. The only person that would say, don't be a real estate investor is someone that's not a real estate investor. Exactly. Yeah. And I had, I had my dad sit me down. This was the hardest, hardest one. I was okay with my friends kind of talking shit, but when my dad, my hero, somebody I like my best advisor, mm-hmm. you know, um, sat me down and was like, listen, you're making a mistake. Rich people do real estate. You're smart. I have no doubt you'll figure it out at some point. Stay focused at school. Go get a degree in finance. D- curb real estate for a, a while. Once you make a lot of money, you can come back to it. And I remember for like two weeks, I was really jacked up in the head because I was like, it's my dad. You know, and and up until that, I, this had been about six months of me trying to do real estate when he when they sat me down and did that. So that first month, you're so excited. You're going to be a real estate millionaire. Everything's going to be great. Second month, you're like, okay, it's taking a little bit longer. This yeah, kind of sucks, yeah. but all right, we're going to... Third month, the voice is getting louder. The friends are talking shit. You yeah. know, by the fourth month, then by the sixth month, your dad's sitting you down. You're like, <laughs> oh, all right, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm out, right? Like, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to just... Go get a normal job. Man, I, I, got, I, got, okay, I got the same thing. So my, my first six months in the business, I was selling real estate at first. I was 20 years old, fresh out of high school. First six months in the business, completely struck out. No deals, nothing. Everybody was making fun of me. My friends were making fun of me. My friend's parents were making fun Like, no one's going to work with you. You're a kid, you know? And um, what happened was I got a flyer for a free seminar to go listen to a real estate speaker. Uh, this guy was Mike Ferry. Uh, I didn't even know that there were real estate speakers and I never knew there was business coaching because I was still a kid. So I go to this free event and by the end of this event, this guy, Mike Ferry, convinced me I was the smartest guy alive. He convinced me I was going to be the most successful guy alive. And at the end of this free event, I wrote on a, <clears throat> I wrote on a piece of paper. I was like, you don't know who I am today, but one day you will. And by the way, he knows who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened is my life changed. So one-on-one coaching uh, was a thousand bucks a month. And this is like 2003, man. I was 20 years old. I didn't have any money. So I just, I went all in, you know, I burned the boats. I put it on my credit card. I signed up for coaching and it's crazy what happened. I gave myself 90 days to, to work more than I had ever worked in my life. I worked seven days a week, 12 to 14 hour days. By the end of 90 days, I learned how to get expired listings. And I went from making $0 in six months to $120,000 in a 90-day period. I moved from my mom's garage to a million-dollar house in Anaheim Hills, California. So my life changed. It felt like almost overnight with real estate because once you, once you get it, you got it. Once you do it once, you can do it twice. You do it twice, you can do it three times. That's when, I, when I'm training people, I always talk about how it's always hardest at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It is always yeah. hardest at the beginning because that's the most difficult part. So as long as you can fight through the urge of wanting to quit because it's it's so it's so miserable at the beginning, you know. But yeah. once you once you get past that breaking point, you start really learning, and that's where I became successful. One deal changes everything. Yeah. You, it's like Roger Bannister running a four minute mile. All of a sudden, people see it. It goes from hope to knowing, yep. you know. And it's like, oh, I could do this again and again. Yep. I love that story too. And um, I drove by the Tom Ferry sign uh-huh. over in Newport or wherever that is. And uh, uh, so you got the coaching, you became an agent, you worked the expired listings, you're starting to get some traction. Yep. How did you end up on a show? Like, what, how, how, did, how did you like, one day you're like, you know, I'm going to start a show. Yeah. I'm going to pitch Basically. A show. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So um, I was making good money selling real estate and I, 
I built a, a real estate team and I had staff and I was like 21, 22 years old. 2006 came around, inventory grew. 2007 came around, subprime market crashed. I had to sell everything I had. So sold my houses, sold my cars, moved into this tiny little apartment with a roommate. And like, I remember being rock bottom. Like I lost everything I had, I had worked for in my adult life. And I struggled for a couple of years and I figured out, um, you know, short sales. So then I started making a little bit of money again. And I had this crazy idea to flip houses after I saw opportunity in short sales. So I pitched everybody I knew and everybody said, no, <laughs> you're too young. The market's unstable. You don't know. They gave me everything. And you hadn't flipped a house up to that point. No, I, I had the idea to flip a house. So then I went to my friends and family, like we were talking about yeah. a minute ago, and everybody said I was an idiot. They're like, what are you, what are you even talking about? Like, we're in, a, we're in a recession. You want to go buy it? How are you going to do that? I said, oh, I'm going to figure it out. I said, if I find the house, will you, will you help fund it? Everybody said no. So I finally found one guy dumb enough to give me money, <laughs> who's still my business partner today for mm -hmm. Tariq Buys House. His name's Pete DeBest, great guy. Um, so we bought our first flip. It was a condo in Santa Ana. Man, I learned so many lessons on that thing. Paid 115000 for it, flipped it for one sixty nine. made a net profit of 34000 That was it. I was hooked. But here's the interesting part of the story. So that, that, same, that same week or month, it's been a while since... When I sent, when I bought that flip, I was at another Mike Ferry real estate convention in Las Vegas, and my friend was the vice president of Prudential, and he sat in the very front row where the VIPs sit. So he invited me and my ex-wife up to come sit in the very front. We were in the very back, and at the break, all these VIPs came up to us like, "Who are you guys? We've never seen you up here before." Blah blah blah. So that was the first time in my life I realized, well, I got to start putting myself around different people. Yeah, you got to be at the front. Got to be at the you front. Got to be in a special section. Yeah, yeah. So I, I met this guy who had a like a paid program TV show in Palm Springs about showcasing his listings, and I was like, "Well, what does that do?" He's like, "Well, they recognize me." I'm like, "Well, what does that do?" He's like, "Well, then they want to work with me." I'm like, "Okay, great." So I'm like, "Shit, I got to get on TV." So then I leave Las Vegas. I'm on the couch, and I'm. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I'm talking to my ex. I'm like, I, we got to get on TV. We got to get on TV. What do we? She goes, what are, you, what are you even talking about? Get on TV for what? What are we going to do? And then it hit me. I was like, well, we just bought a flip. I'm like, well, what if we flip houses on TV? She laughed at me, shook her head, walked upstairs. So she went to bed. I was like, I'm going to get us a TV show. So I literally jumped on Google. I wrote Hollywood production companies and just started looking at websites and looked at castings, sent pictures. And I said, I'm a, a new flipper. I want to I want to flip houses on TV, blah, blah, blah. I woke up the next day. They responded saying, yeah, send us a home video. I was like, oh, crap. Okay. So I, I documented the process of that very first flip on a home video, sent it to the, sent it to the production company. They loved it. So they're like, okay, well, we want to do a two-day professional shoot now. So they came out for a two-day professional shoot. And they did what's called a sizzle. It's like a three to five minute professional video. And um, nothing happened. They pitched it to all the networks. Nobody wanted it. And that was it. I was like, all right, didn't work out. <clears throat> 10 months later, I get a call from the production company saying, you're not going to believe this, but HGTV wants to do a pilot with you for a house flipping show. I'm like, heck yeah. At this point, I was on my third flip. So 10 months. A little, little bit more experience. A little bit more. Like, a little bit. A little yeah. bit more experience. Wasn't burning your feet anymore. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, my first flip, I burned my feet with acid. I electrocuted myself. I painted the baseboards, threw a drop cloth to the new flooring. Like I did, I did everything wrong. I know nothing about construction. So, so anyways, so I filmed the pilot for HGTV. And then they're like, the odds of it going to series, very slim. And if it does get picked up, it's going to take a long time. And I was like, okay. A week later, I get a call. We have a contract coming. I'm like, okay, I'm like, let's do this. So I get a contract and it's, I have to flip 13 houses in 10 months on uh, national TV. I'm like, okay. So I call my friend who is successful. I'm like, you don't need lawyers. And he referred me to a lawyer. Called the lawyer. He's like, to review the contract, we need a $2,500 retainer. And I, I saw the email. I wrote back, well, I don't quite have $2,500. <laughs> Will you do a payment plan? So he agreed to the payment plan and he's still my lawyer to this day. I love that. Mm -hmm. So then I'm looking at At least at you were smart enough to get a lawyer to review a contract. Exactly. You know, some people just are so excited that they're even getting put on. They're just, just sign like, everything. Yeah, yeah. So, but this. Do you even have any negoti negotiation abilities when you're new? Kind of, like, you're new. Like, no way. Yeah, they're just like, look, you can review it all you want, but sign it or you Exactly. That, sign it or walk away. Yeah, kick rocks. Pretty, pretty <laughs> much at the, at the beginning, they're not going to give you anything. Um, and you're not really making money. You're really doing it for the exposure. Yeah, for, for the exactly. exposure. But back then, it was just, I didn't even know what it would be, right? But I'm looking at this contract, says I have to flip 13 houses in 10 months. I'm thinking, 
Well, one, I like I've done three. Yeah, in like, ten months. How, how am I going to one flip thirteen houses and two? Where in the world am I going to get the money? So I asked my lawyer. I was like, "Well, what's the worst that can happen?" He's like, "Well, I guess they can sue you." And I said, "I looked around my apartment. I was like, they can have it." So <laughs> I signed the contract, and honestly, I just worked my ass off that first year. And I literally learned how to flip houses while filming a TV show about flipping houses. And you and you created the money necessary to buy the 13 houses, flip them on TV. What a great story. How many times do entrepreneurs sit there and they look at all the hurdles that they think that they're going to have to, and they talk themselves right out of it? Oh, all the time. The, you know, it's the old uh, jump out of the plane, build, or jump out of the plane, build the plane on the way down. The <laughs> build the plane on the way down. That's it. That sounds, yeah, that, it. That sounds better than it. <laughs> um, okay. So now you're in the, now you're in the reality show world. It's, it's very demanding. I, I filmed a pilot recently in um, seven days, 10 hour days to film one pilot. I was exhausted. I was dying. So, how how are you even like, because like, was the first year, did you know, like you film a couple pilots, you're all in on this thing and you just knew instantly it was going to take off or were you like? Oh, not at all. Like I was, I was on, like no joke. I, at sometimes I was working 19, 20 hour days because I can, I had to buy properties at the auction and I couldn't buy occupied properties. So I would drive from 10 PM till 4 AM overnight to see if, if anyone lived at the houses. And then I'd be at the auction by 9 AM. So I was exhausted all the time and I didn't know what would happen with the show. And, and actually midway through filming season one, we, we shut down production and I got wind that they were planning on canceling the show because someone at HGTV thought it was a bad look for the network. Wow. So it, wasn't it, that the number one show at yes. the network forever? Yeah. So here's, wow. what, yeah, so here's what happened. So anyways, that guy, they didn't cancel it. That guy was like, go. So we filmed the, the first season. And there was no marketing behind it, no press behind it. Nobody even knew about it. They aired it. There were 30-minute episodes, and they aired two new ones back-to-back. -back. They were trying to burn me off the air. So it was from 11 p.m. until 12 a.m. That was our time slot. Woke up the next day, and we apparently broke all these records. The viewership from the beginning of the hour to the end of the hour increased higher than they've ever seen. And we rated it as one of the top 100 TV shows uh, for the day. Yeah, wow. and then two weeks later, prime time, 9 p.m., and uh, the rest is history. So they moved your time slots. They're like, all right, yeah, let's give it, let's give it a real go. Yeah, really put some some weight behind it. Now, there's a story out there that a nurse was watching your season one episode. It was season one, right? Uh, uh yeah, season season one. one, and she noticed a lump on your neck. You had no clue. Yeah, yeah. That, so that there might be something wrong. Right. So I had just started filming season two. Um, a nurse out of Texas, um, her name was Ryan Reed. She was watching my show and she saw a, a lump on my neck. So she emailed the production company and the network saying, hey, he needs to go get it checked out. And they sent it over to me and I read the email. And right when I saw that email, I knew something was wrong. And I knew something was wrong because I'd gone to my, my personal doctor multiple times about this lump on my neck. And they never, they never checked anything. They said it was allergies. They, they just, they didn't do anything with it. So this wow. time I got the email <clears throat> and um, I went to a different doctor, and then they sent me up for uh, a biopsy. The biopsy came back as atypical, which means it, it could or could not be cancer. So then they scheduled me for exploratory surgery that was supposed to be like 30 to 45 minutes. So I went under on the surgery, and then I woke up, um, I guess it was like four or five hours later. Turned out I had full-blown thyroid cancer, stage three. I had spread to my lymph nodes. Um, so... I remember waking up, the family was there, everybody's crying. And the, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I have cancer, don't I? And they, they said, yes. So I found out I had cancer waking up from being put to sleep. Um, and it was a terrifying moment, man. I was like, yeah. I think I was 30, 30 years old. Like last thing I expected, I was a, young, I was a new father. And, and then because of that, my doctor missed the fact that I had thyroid cancer. I started looking through my old medical records to make sure nothing else was missed. And a year prior, I had a irregular testicle exam. And it was almost like a joke, I'm not, yeah. meaning oh, I should go get it checked out. So I, I was literally at the doctor for my thyroid cancer. They had a last minute opening in the same building to get an ultrasound on my, yeah. my, my testicles, yeah. right? Yeah. So important. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I went over there. It was like literally last second. So I walked across the hall and, and the guy that was doing it, we were talking, he's a local guy, Huntington Beach, and he was very chatty. I was like, just shooting the shit with him. And then all of a sudden he got quiet 
And you're like, here we, here we yeah, go. Yeah, bracing was for it. Eerie, man. I'll never forget the moment. I'm like, why is this guy quiet? And I was like, hey, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I was like, yeah, I know you're not a doctor, dude. But like, what's wrong? He's like, what? You're in pain? I'm like, huh? He's like, well, if you're in pain, the emergency room's right down the hall. Oh, he's like cluing you in on what to say and what to do. Yeah. So right when he said that, I was like, shit. 20 minutes later, I have a doctor in there. Find out I now have testicular cancer and they're booking my surgery. So I found out I had thyroid and testicular cancer all within a few months of each other. And man, it was a fight because I had to do one surgery at a time. My hormones were way out of whack. I was sick all the time. I, I gained like 50 pounds. And um, it was, I was just an emotional wreck. But the network, I remember getting the call saying, hey, we understand. We can cancel the show. And I was like, oh, hell no. We're not canceling the show. And I, and I filmed that thing. If you watch season two, I literally gained 50 pounds that season. And I filmed all the way until I rolled into my surgery. Wow. Yeah. Has, has that changed your perspective on life, going through something like that? Yeah. Like, I, like a lot of tough things in my life have changed my perspective. But the, the, the biggest thing is, you just never know what's going to happen. Like bad shit happens and nobody thinks it can happen to them. And then all of a sudden it happens to you. And it's like deer in headlights. Cause it's the last thing you expected. I'm young. I'm a father. I have a TV show. I have a house flipping business. And next thing you know, I'm fighting two different cancers. So for, for me, the lesson was you never know what's going to happen with life. So try to be positive. Um, don't let, don't sweat the small stuff. And obviously I have a much different outlook at life. Cause there was a period in my life where I thought this is it. I'm leaving this planet. Um, and now I'm grateful for the life I have. Well, look, I don't do this for all my friends, but if you'd like me to give you a testicular exam right now, <laughs> I will. I'll do that, Come on. Cody. Oh, you got me? You got this. She's got you. She's all doing right. it right now, actually. Got to stay on top of it. I, I think that's important for a lot of guys. You know, um, you don't, I, I have a friend right now that has brain cancer. Oof. Two kids, similar similar story, and he came and spoke at our mastermind. There wasn't a dry eye in there because um, he lives in sixty uh, day windows. Every every sixty days, he's got to go and get rechecked for for like ever wow. to make sure things don't. So he's always like fearful, like hey, they're going to give me some more bad news. And he had stage four <clears throat> brain oh cancer. God. And they gave him months to live. That was like a year and a half ago. Wow. And he's like a survivor. And he's like one of the most inspirational people because, you know. Still he's, fighting. He, he's just he's just like, keep it in perspective. When you live in 60-day blocks, everything changes. Mm-hmm. People cut you off in traffic, you're not tripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody serves you the wrong meal and you're not yelling at the, mm-hmm. the poor lady yeah. that brought you your food. Um, so Man. that's cool that you share that. Um, Stage four, yeah, no, that, that's 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 tough. And brain cancer, I yeah. mean, you're just like, yeah, it's just how, like, why, exactly, what do you, what do you even do? You don't can't terrifying. Do um, all right, so on a more positive note, mm-hmm. we'll sort of transition now to something. Um, so, how did you get selling? Sunset. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I'm gonna let you get right back to the episode, but I wanted to share with you something real quick that I think is gonna help your business in a major way. A few years ago, I started a real estate mastermind and we call ourselves the Avengers. It's an experiential mastermind. There's about 175 members. They're all super high level. They're all gaining skills and capabilities. Networking is off the charts. So if you're looking to get plugged into something that's gonna really lift your business up in a major way, check out joinavengersmastermind.com. Watch the video that's on there, read all the information and see if getting plugged into a mastermind would be right for you. That's joinavengersmastermind.com. I was already doing real estate since 2014, and I had met Jason Oppenheim, who's my broker, uh, at a listing appointment. I had a client. It was his listing, and he saw that I had good clients. I had good connections. I had done some good business. So he asked me to come work for the company. So Uh, We had been approached by a lot of different production companies because, you know, all the girls in my office, they're pretty girls, two twin guys. They are? I didn't didn't notice. Yeah, they're okay. Um, So we had always turned it down because we didn't want it to interfere with the company. And then they liked the the, my creators, Adam DeVello. He brought um, the idea of selling Sunset to Jason in the office. And it was more around women empowerment and women in business and how, you know, we are in real estate. And Jason's like, okay, well, I like that idea. It's more on the women and it's less on like him and his brother, Brett. So he's like, I don't want to take that opportunity away from the girls. 
So we all got interviewed in the office. They chose who they thought would be best on TV. Uh, We shot a pilot, and then Netflix picked it up, and Lionsgate picked it up. We shot first season. And same thing with him. We didn't think it was going to go anywhere. It was a reality show on Netflix. Didn't think it was going to be successful. Because that's kind of groundbreaking, right? Like, there's not... That was like moving to a new frontier. Exactly. They are the number two show behind Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Every time I turn it on, it's getting pushed. Yeah, awesome. We're we're on the Maldives on the tiny little island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And she has these little fans everywhere. It's insane yeah. the reach that Netflix has. Well, we're oh, in- I like her way more than I like you. Dude. I'm just saying like <laughs> Everybody, big fan I like her here. more than I like me. Everybody <laughs> likes Heather more than me. We're, um, you know, it, it's it's everywhere in the country or everywhere in the world. So we're in every single country. So yeah, we're known around the world. It's given us worldwide exposure, but you know, I don't think it got big until, what, season, season three? three? And what did I tell you when we first met? So when we first met, season one had just come out, and Tark watched the show, and he's like, oh, this is going to be a huge show. I'm like, really? You think? Because I'm humble. I grew up in a really small town. I didn't think much was going to happen from it. And he was, like, way popular than me at the time. Like, everyone knew who he was. Everyone would be like, oh, can you take our picture? I'm like, sure. Yeah, now I'm holding bags and taking photos. <laughs> this is bullshit. Hit <laughs> switch. Tables know? have turned. No, everyone knows you, too. No, but- they, they know me. They just don't want a picture with me. They, want, they just <laughs> want you to hold the camera. Hey, yeah, yeah. can you hold that for us? I mean, it's pretty cool. I get to travel, and, like, young 14-year-old girls, they come up, and I'm an inspiration to them. And that's what's special is these young girls are looking up to us, and they see they can do business, and they can be in real estate, and— we're showing them that there's more to life, you know, and and they can like work hard and, and do this and be successful. But yeah, I mean, we got big around season three. It blew up season four and five. Was and it now, weird starting to get noticed? Uh, you know, I was used to it because Tark would get n- noticed all the time and I would get noticed here and there. And I had been in the modeling acting world, not noticed, but I had been in that yeah. industry. So I'd been to auditions. I was in that world. I was acting a little bit modeling. And so it wasn't as shocking for me, but I think it took me a while to really realize how big it was, right? Yeah, it, it takes some time. I remember the first couple times I got noticed, I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's very exciting. Dude, it's got to be a trip, like, seeing you in People magazine. You're like, oh, yeah. People magazine, that's, that's kind of cool. You're like, we're in there today, I think, this yeah. week. Yeah, well, you know, I tell him, like, you know, we, I, we've, I've been nominated for an Emmy now twice. We won best. Have, have you been nominated for any Emmys? Shut it, Cody. I just wanted to know. <laughs> that was it. Just not like I'm keeping tabs. I flipper, just... flipper Flop was almost. Almost uh, nominated. Almost. <laughs> An honorable mention. I love you. Flipper Flop. Uh, we won best reality show for the MTV Awards. I've, you know, walked red carpets I never thought I'd be walking. In magazines I never thought I'd be in. Did you have like the popcorn thingy? Um, we're supposed to away? get one, actually. Yeah, yeah. Do you actually get that? Like, you can yeah, put it on your mantle? Do. But yeah. we're a big cast. We're Usually, I think they made, like, four, and but we're all supposed to end up getting one. I need to check in on that, actually. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, I've done things I never thought I'd be able to do in my life. And so, like, I told him, these are moments that I've dreamed of. And I've been in magazines that I've dreamed of my whole life. And, you know— you're so busy and you are too. Like we're so busy that we forget sometimes like we do it and we move on. We do it, we move on. But we have to remember these moments, how special they are because my 15-year-old self would have never dreamed that this is what I'd be doing. And and that's the truth. Like we're always moving so fast. We never like stop to it. Like appreciate it, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, like, what we're doing like and we're, where we've like, come. I think today we're in People Magazine, right? Yeah. There's a spread in there. Mm-hmm. About the baby, and yeah. And I thought about it for one second, and then I totally forgot about it until right now. And yeah. like years ago, I would have been like dreaming to Going be- Going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one thing about being an entrepreneur. It's, it's, it's sometimes we got to pump the brakes and relax a little. We try to make short-term goals. And instead of thinking about like, oh, what's happening in December or January or February, we try to be- think about, okay, well, next month, this is a goal. And then the month after, this is a goal. So we can really live in the moment or else time flies by and you blink and it's over. That's a good piece of advice, actually. Yeah. So so one of the things, like time just goes by so fast. And I'm always thinking big, dreaming big, like, right? So it makes time go really, really fast. So what we started doing is setting like mini goals, right? Like, okay, we have a vacation in six weeks. So let's really think about that vacation. Let's talk about that vacation. So you like remember being a kid, it's like Monday at school, and like you can't wait mm-hmm. until Saturday. You're not thinking about next week, you're thinking about Saturday or Friday night. Friday night. Yeah. So now we're trying to live our life like that to slow it down. And it's it's actually been working. It's been working, but now being pregnant, like I'm almost what 14, I'm 14 weeks tomorrow. 
that's I blink and it's I'm already that far along. That's what's crazy, right? Oh yeah, it's, it's going so fast. <laughs> I'm like, babe, we're gonna have a baby in five months. Yeah, we, we found out <laughs> nine weeks ago, right? Yeah, we found out really early on. I was only five weeks pregnant. You're, yeah, you're you're about to go on the greatest ride. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, it's my and it's weird too because um, my experience with my son was totally different than my experience with my daughter. So you're gonna you're gonna be able to go like my daughter came out. It was like love at first sight. Mm-hmm. I had never felt Aww. something so wild. My son came out. I tell him this all the time. I'm like, dude, I thought you were a space alien. <laughs> he came out and he kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, like I got the feeling like I'm in trouble. Like, oh my God, this is about to be like a crazy ride. My daughter came out and I was like, oh, sunshine Angel. and fresh air and love. And, yep. um, so I'm excited for you guys to go through that. Talk about the market right now. What does your business look like right now? Because you scaled Hard. You have TM, TEM Capital. You have the whole entire Tark Buys Houses brand. You have the homeschool stuff, or you might have, yeah. I don't know. Do you still Yeah, homeschool, the okay, online you're, education. You're doing the education thing. You got the TV shows. You have a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. Your family, I mean, it's a lot. You're juggling yeah. a lot. Um, scaling as hard as you, how many rehabs do you have right now or flips? Uh, 70 active projects. Seven zero? Seven zero. And a lot of those projects are two, three, four million dollar projects. So there's there's a lot of a lot of a lot of real estate going down right now. And so in order to scale to that, I'm assuming you're does T E M cap like you raise money in T E M capital and then you're no. able to buy these or how are you able to buy so much very expensive real estate? So my business partner and us, we self-fund we self-fund it. Okay. So we've been reinvesting into the business all these years. So we have a lot of money invested into Targ buys houses. Yeah. And then TEM Capital is different. We're buying commercial real estate, partnering with accredited investors to develop self-storage facilities or buy apartment buildings. Uh, and Targ buys houses, no, no real outside capital. And we're just, buy, well, we've, we've been buying, fixing, and flipping. But right now, we're kind of changing the model a little bit because of the, the looming recession. So it's always been a flip-first mentality. Um, now we're kind of switching to a wholesale first mentality. So create the quick cash flow. It's hard, you know, when when the market's declining, which a lot of submarkets are starting to decline, and some markets are holding holding really strong, but a lot of them are starting to slide. Um, you don't want to be caught flipping trying to catch a market that's going down. That's the hard part about it, rehabbing. You have to buy it so discounted. To pull that off, and you got to be in and out really quick. It, it, exa- exactly, and it's like for me, you know, like seventy projects, right? The more more projects you have going, the the less accurate things are going to be, right? There's more more people involved. There's more headaches. There's the more delays. So when we wholesale properties, like selling a wholesale to a, a one off flipper, they always make way more money than me because they don't have the staff overhead, they don't have the construction overhead, they can manage the projects themselves. So on a rehab that might cost my company 150,000 if someone rolls up their sleeves they can do the same house for like 70 75. So they're able to 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 buy yeah. in, a, in yeah. at a time like this. So you can't much- exactly like I can't work on 70 houses at once but if it was one flip I could work on one. Yeah. So we're experiencing right now, you know, a a sharp pullback in the real estate space. Many more homes are hitting the market. The inventory is going up, days on market are going up. Price decreases are going up. More, 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 yes. more and more houses are getting price decreases. Builders are uh, incentivizing a lot more to try and get activity. We're seeing staging coming back hardcore mm-hmm. again, right? The, the appraisal waivers are gone. The the bidding wars are are starting to be gone. Um, and I know in my personal business, I don't have nearly as many as you. We got nineteen going, um, and we have a lot of them that uh, we're on we're on the edge. Yep. We're on the edge because you're you're assuming that this you're gonna ride this appreciation, you're gonna get in and out, but because of weird construction delays or not being able to get supplies or whatever, it pushed it out two, three, four months. And it was literally like the breaks. Like, did you feel it? Oh like, yeah. it was like one week. The hedge fund stopped buying, the stock market crashed, the crypto market yes. crashed, and the money just left the market. And yep. it was like, uh every day he'd show me things. Yeah, look at like, this. You're just wow. like panicking. This. So are you worried? Like, how are you gonna how are you gonna pull through this with having so many developments going on? You know, I, I, as an entrepreneur, I, I, I tend to move fast. So <clears throat> the second I saw this coming, I mean, I, I pivoted literally overnight. I showed up into the office, I completely restructured every single thing the company was doing, pulled back marketing, wholesale properties. 
took properties that were major rehabs, made them clean, clean and lists, just unload them. Um, and really right now, the main focus isn't like normally, if, if this was six months ago, the focus would be, <clears throat> how do we scale more? How do we buy more houses? How do we tune our marketing? How, how do we get better conversions on our TV commercials? How do we spend a half million dollars a month in marketing versus 300,000 a month, right? Right now, I'm not thinking about any of that. All I'm thinking about right now is how do I unload these assets off of my book so I can buy a new round at a lower price? Love it. So it's protect the football. Yep. What's the best? What's the best fastest way to get out of this? What's yeah. the fastest way to get out of this? Yeah, and um, for, <laughs> for right right now, I have this house. It's we're we're clearing out the other end of it. I always tell my team. I always say, guys, there's certain fundamentals in real estate. You just gotta you got don't buy houses on busy roads, mm -hmm. for instance. Don't buy the weird house. Like if it's a flat roof and a house with all pitched roofs, and then expect your house to not get a little bit of a discount on. Don't buy it with like power lines or a canal or something weird <clears throat> right behind it. And my partner, he never listens to me. He does. <laughs> and so we have this one house on a main road. And I'm sure you have some horror stories like this, but like everything that could go wrong with this one project has gone wrong. Yep. Everything. We bought it on a main road. They assured me, don't worry, we're going to get in and out real quick. It's going to, because it's in a hot area and we were going to use the main road as a marketing. So we put up all these banners and fencing and, you know, advertising to like, and it did. We got a lot of recognition in the area because it's it's the area in Arcadia and Scottsdale that is the main vein to get mm -hmm. to like Camelback Mountain and yep. all mm -hmm. the hot spots. Mm -hmm. So we're like, cool, we're gonna we're gonna crush it on this. Um, my business partner, there's three of us. My one of my business partners, who's the contractor of the group, we told him um, just add a bedroom bath to the back of it, make the front look really good. In and out, you know, six months, let's go. We showed up one day and over three quarters of the house is missing. Or oh, what? He tore it all down. He's like, oh, I have a plan. We're going to build this model here in this big, beautiful house. We're going to add this big addition. We're going to add all this square footage. And me and Bryant were looking at each other. We're like, Garrett, what did you do? There's no house here anymore. Like we had a very strict budget. And he's like, well, it'll be a little bit more, but we'll get more on the back end. So that was the first yeah. mistake. Okay. So then, because we were demoing so much house and rebuilding so much house, there was a lot more construction delays and a lot more stuff. And all of a sudden, one day, a neighbor shows up at our house. And I get a call. And there's a guy here, and he's saying that he's with the HOA. And I'm like, there is no HOA at this place. We don't buy in HOAs for a reason when we're doing a lot of our builds. Like, we're there is no HOA. No, he's with the HOA. And he's saying that we violated the, the CCNRs. Oh, and I'm like, no. the what? HOAs are the worst. And, 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 and so I looked it up. I looked at our listing. No HOA. I'm like, okay, on the listing that we bought it, there's no HOA. Uh, like an old listing. And I'm like, okay, there's, so there's no HOA. What are the CCNRs? Well, they were from 1956. And they had certain setbacks. Well, when Garrett poured the concrete and demoed more of the house than he should we violated these 20 foot and 30 foot setbacks and stuff. So this guy who I said at, at the time, I said, kick him off our property. We don't know who this person is. I'm like, get rid of him. And then they came back. And this time they had more paperwork. And then they came back a third time. And the guys keep calling me. And I'm like, okay, I got to pay attention to this because they had a bunch of legal paperwork now. Yeah. There was an HOA, sort of. It was like this make sh a bunch of the homeowners got together and formed their own HOA. Oh, no. I've never seen anything like this. And um, so anyway, we ended up getting a lawyer sent us a letter basically saying, hey, you violated these things. The HOA is going to lien your property and they're going to come after you. And we came back at them and said, there is no HOA. You guys don't exist. We don't prove it that you're an HOA. Anyway. They filed something with this random department of real estate I've never heard of. Month-long delay going through that. We ended up winning in that and getting it kicked out. Then they lawyered up. We lawyered up. We went at it. Turn, turns out they're not an HOA. They're a social club. Uh. Never, I've never even heard of this before. Oh, my God. They're a social club. <laughs> and this social club does, they don't collect dues. They, don't, they can't enforce any rules. However, the CCNRs, which are actually a thing from 1956, say that we can't do certain things. 
and we violated the CCNRs. Oh, no. So what they did is they went around to all the neighbors and got everybody all worked up on us. <laughs> and now the neighbors are all <laughs> threatening to sue us. So I had to buy, check this out, in order to clear this deal, there was an abandoned alleyway behind the house. I had to pay the neighbor behind me to buy her abandoned alleyway. So get this. So I call I, it, in order to get my setback, yep, not to violate. I need more land. I need more land. And I called her up and she was the sweetest old lady. She said, oh, I'm, I was expecting your call. <laughs> and I said, ma'am, I said, funny thing. I'm like, I'm dealing with this social club. And she pretended she didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I, I, I'm dealing with the social club and I'm trying to get back in alignment so we can finish the project and get it sold. And she said, oh, I know everything you're talking about. I'm a retired real estate agent. I said, uh-oh. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. And uh, she turned from sweet old lady to the greatest shark real estate. <laughs> she, knew, she knew everything about everything. I came in and I said, listen, I've seen or heard about other people buying these abandoned alleyways for like 1500 bucks because they're just sitting there. She goes, oh, you're cute. Yeah, that's never going to happen. You're going to pay me every dollar that I want. Oh my god. And gosh. she goes, she goes, I don't know how to tell you this, Cody, but I know I got you by the balls. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, damn, this lady is a shark. I like want to hire her. What yeah. does she charge you? $35,000 for an abandoned, <laughs> for an abandoned alley. alleyway. And then she wanted me to raise her wall up two blocks, paint match it, which is impossible. Right? She started like adding extra features yeah. to the sale. And by the time I was done, she was just, she just stuck her foot so far up my ass uh -huh. and been smiling the whole time and just being How super funny. sweet. So we ended up getting sh shaken down for the alleyway. And then the neighbor who's a hoarder, literally a hoarder. Like we built oh, that's this, okay. we built this amazing house. That's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. They said, the neighbor doesn't want to see your new house. Oh no. And I'm like, he's got like 50 pounds of trash in his front yard <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't matter. He wants you to do his landscaping for him. <laughs> I'm like, this is wild. Like, we are literally getting just completely wow. pushed wow. around. Wow, that might be one of the worst we horror stories all, I've we heard. Did, we, anyways, we did all of that only to delay the timing past when the market shifted. It's now sitting on the market. <sighs> We've had three freaking showings in a month and a half. I'm dying inside right now. Every day I just walk in. What's it listed at? Uh, one nine nine. Oh, so this is a higher. This end is a higher end home. We're in it. I'm. Oh, I'm no. all in at like one five five. I think you need so to drop your price. I'm one about, four nine. No, <laughs> we've been holding out for a month and a half. We've had three showings, but everybody says road noise. One four nine nine. I'm back. I guarantee I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna end up walking out of that probably with exactly what I'm into. Oh it for. my gosh! And the lady's gonna have her thirty five grand and a nice wall. <laughs> yeah, which right right now, by the way, if, if I can walk out, even I'm a smiling man. Isn't that crazy? That's where I'm at. I'm happy with it. You got some some of those horror stories along the way? Oh, I got I got a whole bunch. I mean, the funniest one I can think of was actually season. I think it was season nine or maybe it was season ten of Flipper Flop. So. I bought this gorgeous ocean view property in San Clemente, California, right? Like stunning. And the foundation was completely trashed. So the whole house was like sinking and crooked. It was like six inches higher on one side than the other side. So we hired this foundation company to come out to fix the foundation and blah, 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 whatever they do, right? And it, was, it paid like $100,000. So then I show up after all the work's done. It took a couple months to get the permits and do the work. And then I show up. And I look, and the house is literally bending. So, like the frame of the house, you can see it bending. So I call my office, and then we called the, the, the contractor who fixed the foundation. And they said, oh, we, we stabilized the foundation. It's stable now. But they said, well, we never agreed to, to even out the foundation and, lo and, and level <laughs> out the house. So then I'm looking at this, like, literally multi-million dollar house that's breaking. And it... We didn't know what to do. So we just sat there and looked at it for months. And then finally, one day, we just, we all got together and we figured out how to fix the problems, but it cost like another 150000 But it was the last thing I expected because I hired someone to fix the foundation thinking they're going to fix the foundation. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't know you actually wanted me to fix the whole thing. <laughs> I just thought you just wanted me to fix this. So it's hard to explain. Yeah. So he made the foundation secure 
but not level. Yeah, solid. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I was like, well, what is that going to do for me? So yeah, I got so screwed on that. I mean, foundation challenges are hard too. Oh yeah, well, they're yeah. a nightmare. And like, yeah. there, there's been times where I've you know given contractors deposits for kitchens, ten thousand bucks, never see them again. I mean, I've had break-ins at houses. I mean, just any anything you can think of. Hoarders. I mean, one time I was filming, I walked into a house and I hear music playing in the background and. There's macaroni like from cold on the stovetop thinking this got to be a joke from production. I walk into the back room and there's this lady. Like a squatter. Yeah. There, <gasps> there's this lady sleeping on on this dirty old mattress. I didn't tra- then trash out It's yet. my bike now, punk. Dude, and I swear, and I thought it was she production. I thought it was production paying a joke on me. So I walk into the room and I start laughing. I'm like, come on, guys. Oh I'm not falling God. for this shit. And everybody's like, no, no. I'm like, come on. I'm not stupid. And then… I realized that it was real because there was bottles with labels and music playing. Oh, and you're like, we already know you can't have all that on, <laughs> can't on have, TV. Can't yeah. have that. So that's when I knew it was real. So then she starts arguing me that was her house. I'm like, what yeah. are you talking? So long story short, I had to pay her 200 bucks to leave. <laughs> Ca- cash for keys? Yeah, yeah. 200. <laughs> the, the squad, yeah. I, uh, I, have you ever bought your own stolen appliances back? Oh, I've never done oh, that. Dude, I, that was a good one. That was a good one. I got a call and uh, they broke, they they sawed, you know, the MLS lockbox keys, mm-hmm. the big blue thing. I mean, it's like solid brick. They literally sawed through it, okay, versus just breaking the window, reaching in. Oh, and, no. Like, can you imagine just sitting there like a crackhead sitting there for like <laughs> three hours, like sawing through an MLS key just to pop, get the thing. Anyways, they stole the um, the stove. And I called the used appliance store later that day after I filed a police report. And I said, hey, I need, I need this kind of stove because it's got to match the other things. They go, oh, yeah, come on over and, and pick one out. We have some. And I showed up and it's my stove. <laughs> I'm like, uh, where'd you get this? He's like, do you want the stove or not? I'm like, yeah, I'll take the stove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take the stove. <laughs> Put it back. Funny. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've seen all the nightmares and all the nightmares of flipping too. So where do you think the market's heading? Um, I think it's, uh, it's going to head down. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to the beginning of time, it goes up, it goes down. It goes up more, it goes down. It goes up even more, then it goes down. So I think it's time for a price adjustment. You know, we just printed, I mean, I don't know, a huge percentage of every dollar we have in this country in the last trillion years. dollars. Yeah, wow. I think it was, what is yeah, it, like 40, I think 40% of every dollar in circulation was printed in the last 24 months. Inflation's through the roof. I mean, they had interest rates at 2.6, 2.7%. And this just reminds me of 2004. Four, five, six, seven, eight. It was it was the exact same thing, but this time it's it's different because people are over leveraged. So all these people are equity rich, but a lot of them aren't going to be able to access that equity. So it's going actually going to create less of a supply compared to like two thousand seven and eight. But at the same time, we're going to have price ad- adjustments. Yeah. Normally, at the end of this, I ask you know, kind of like if you were to go back. And give some advice to your twenty-year-old self. What would you What would you tell that person? Be much. I'd be much nicer to myself. Mm. The road to success as a young entrepreneur is very challenging, as you know. My biggest problem is I would get so frustrated with lack of success and lack of results that I. I would talk really negative to myself. Like, why are you such a failure? Why, why, can, why can't you do this? But I always worked. So as I was becoming successful, I used to beat myself up every day for not being more, more successful than I expected myself to be. So if I can go back to young Tarek, I would have told him, be patient, be persistent, whether you're happy or you're angry, the result's going to be the same. We got one shot at this life. Enjoy the ride. I love that. What about you? Mine would be uh, Mary Tark sooner. Mary Tark sooner. Oh, I told I always tell me what I dated in high school for sure. Yeah, they, uh, you and all your friends. They got to get I was high school. <laughs> Little hoe. <laughs> uh, uh, mine would have been don't be so hard on myself. Um, and my place will come. I, I was always like good at little things, but I was never great at anything. And I I always was like upset that. When am I going to find my place? When am I going to be incredible at something? And I think, you know, being on TV and being on TV doing real estate and now flipping homes with Tarek and getting to join his business, like I realize I'm really good on TV. I'm really good at being an entertainer and I'm really good at inspiring people and women and young girls. And um, that is my place. So just keep, keep continuing to do that. 
I love that. Well, you mm-hmm. got the platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and you guys are great on TV, by the way. And uh, it's been it's been cool to watch the the evolution, and now seeing you guys do your thing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. I, w- I wish you nothing but super amounts of success, both uh, on the family side of things and continuing to inspire people on TV. And uh, hopefully, we could, we got to do a deal together, dude. Yeah, we got it. How, how is it possible? That we haven't actually done a flip together. Oh, I told you, oh. we're developing a self-storage facility, Surprise Arizona. It's an incredible deal. Yeah, all right. So if people wanted to get involved in your deals, they go to temcapital.com? Uh, temcapital.co, C-O. Um, and we're we're raising capital and partnering with accredited investors right now. We bought uh, three apartment buildings in uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale last year, uh, apartment building in Texas this year, and we just announced a, a development of the self-storage facility. So temcapital.co. Yeah, I like that self-storage. And then if they want to rock with you guys on social, where do they find you? For me, it's Heather Ray Young. What about El Musa? Well, I can't get El Musa. Someone took my name. Sounds like excuses no to way. me, Cody. Yeah, we tried. Even before we were married, I had I tried to switch it over. The day we got married, I, was, I wanted to switch it. Someone took my name. So I have to like fight to get it back. Yeah. yeah. So right now it's Heather Ray Young, but underneath it's Heather Ray El Musa. Yeah, that's my true. Love. And, and uh-huh. mine, mine is the real Tariq El Musa because someone took my name too. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh man. So if I get your real names, what are you guys gonna owe me? Like what do we, what do, what do we, what do we get? Because I I know some people. You do? I might. You oh, know? You never I, know. I like I, this. Let's think about it. I this. don't know. There could be something. Well, we keep thinking about it. Well, let me go to work. Let me see if I. Can I would love that. that, Cody. If you can please. pull off that miracle, we're gonna owe you a solid. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, you know, go go follow them. Check them out. Support you know the things that they're they're doing right now. And. Uh, yeah, if you like this episode uh, and you're watching it on YouTube or on uh, any of the other platforms, make sure you smash the like button, drop a comment down below, and uh, we're out of here. That's all we got. Until next time, take care, comb your hair. Thanks, See you next time.